last week, well, let me back up again. Almost 20 years ago, about 18, I think, years ago, Brother Charles Simpson and I were sitting on his back porch uh, at his home in, at that time in Spanish Fort, Alabama, and we'd been visiting. And um, Brother Charles liked to, and he still does, likes to, when he gets done with the day or with his activities, he likes to go sit on the back porch. And at that time, he had a little TV out there, and we were watching, of all things, Fox News. Um, but... Uh, he began to talk to me a little bit about what he talked about last week, and that is vines and and branches and those things. And if you didn't hear last Sunday's message by Brother Charles, uh, then you have several avenues to go back and listen to it. First of all, you can listen to the audio version by by going to our podcast, and it's there. Uh, or you can go to our webpage or the links that are on the front of the bulletin. And you can either go to the, our Facebook page and find it. But I really recommend if you want to watch the video version that you go to our YouTube channel and, and watch the message there. Uh, YouTube, I think, is, uh, I don't care for either one of them's political views, but YouTube has better videos <laughs> and, and better picture. But uh, you can go back and listen to that. But because of that conversation that that, that he and I had, and I'm, I'm thinking 2003 um, that we were having this conversation, I began to see something and to talk about something. And, of course, he wrote about uh, this topic. And, and there's a book. I think there's only one copy left, but there's a book out there that the first one there can get called Ants, Churches, and Vines. And he deals with some of this in that book. So I said all that to say, uh, I was in a meeting one time and somebody said, how many of you pl- have plagiarized Charles Simpson? And well, of course, a all bunch of us raised our hands. And Jim Newsom was sitting next to me and he said, anybody didn't raise their hand is not being truthful. <laughs> but we've all plagiarized Brother Charles. I don't know if it's actually plagiarism if he, if you, uh, if you, he, you, he tell about it. And so at that time, I did a message, uh, in 2013, I did a message called on the corner of circle and vine if you're if you've ever been a first-time visitor here some of you have well i guess we all have hadn't we at some point this building wasn't here one day but uh you you should have received a water bottle with a green cap and in that water bottle is an ink pen and some other information but also in that water bottle is a flash drive and it occurred to me recently that we've been giving these things out for years and people don't know what they got why did they give me a flash drive? Well, because that sermon is on that flash drive. And of course, just, we quit giving people CDs because they said, I don't have any, want nothing in my car to play a CD. And that's true. Most of the modern, modern shoot 2015 and on just about, you don't have CD players in cars. So, but you do have a USB port. Enough for technology. And so as I was listening to Brother Charles last week, it occurred to me, that I don't do this often, but it occurred to me that it probably would be a good time to revisit that topic. Uh, and so because it's not the same message exactly as what I did eight years ago, some of you weren't here eight years ago, a lot of you weren't, uh, then I'm calling it today's message at the corner of Circle and Vine 2.0. And the fact is I shouldn't be calling it 1.5. Because a lot of the, of the material that I'll give you today I, I gave then, and uh, it's no way that I can identify every time 
that I got a quote or a thought from Brother Charles because there's far too many. You say, don't you ever have any thoughts of your own? Who does? Um, in this particular case, we've got a lot of material. Anyway, what we want to do today in this message is to understand the mission of the church and look at that pretty lady come down the aisle. Boy, I tell you what. Focus. Help me, Lord. 48 years this coming October. Been married. And she's still putting up with me. And what was I doing, by the way? Why, why am I standing here? To understand what the mission of the church is and what the mission is not. Um, and so, and another thing I want to do today is to establish or reestablish the DNA of the church and Abundant Life Church. And I say establish because there's a lot of people over the last eight years or ten years that you, you've come in during that time, and we really hadn't purposely talked about this, although if you listen to me very long, a lot of what I'm going to say today is not new to you. But for those of us who have been here a while, we're going to reestablish the DNA of Abundant Life Church. Um, and, and this is really, um, I don't know how to say this without sounding bad, but this is really the DNA since I have become the pastor. Now, a lot of that DNA was already here, but, um, you know, I knew that when I became the pastor of Abundant Life Church that it would take a while, and you'll just have to hear this and hear it the right way. It would take a while before this church would become my church. I hope you understand that. I don't mean that in a possessive way, but in a DNA way is what I mean. And so we're going to sort of revisit some of that, and which, which would hopefully leads us to be a part of a local collective or mission, uh, or to see the church growing as a vine. And you'll hear vine a lot today. And again, was last Sunday, Brother Charles was speaking. I thought, well, it's time to to redo this. And so what we hope that the result of all that is, is to have every member actively, everybody say actively, actively engaging with someone outside the local congregation. I'm not opposed to a lot of the ventures that I see out in the community. Uh, I was at a gas station one day, and, and there was a church, and I don't even remember what church. So maybe they weren't effective. I don't know. But they all had church shirts on that said church outside the walls. And what they were doing, uh, some of you may remember this, but what they were doing was that people would pull up to the pump, and they'd buy their gas. This church would buy their tank of gas, or or, or they I forget what they would do. It was some kind of a mission. Ever. I think that's great. And I think we could do some of that kind of stuff. But that's not exactly what I'm talking about. I'm talking about life on life is what I'm talking about today. And uh, while I strongly, strongly encourage fellowship outside of this room in form of small groups or smaller groups or whatever form it might take, I strongly encourage being a part of a small group, whether it's just three or four of you guys meeting at the coffee shop once a day, once a week or so. I don't care what configuration it takes, but I, I encourage fellowship outside of this, this venue among the brothers and sisters, because if you are a part of Abundant Life Church, 
uh, and I'm assuming most of you, if not all of you, are, and, and obviously, then the Lord has done that. You might think you came along and you liked the music and you liked the pro, you know programs, which we don't have a lot of programs, and that's by design. Uh, or you might have even liked the preaching. Who knows? And you say, well, I think I choose that church. Well, the truth is what probably happened is God chose you to be here. And so Psalm 80 is a really good psalm that kind of gives us this picture. If you would turn, if you haven't already, to Psalm 80. I'm not going to read the whole psalm, but I'm going to read most of it. Uh, And I'm going to begin reading at verse 8. And if you would stand while we read the Word of God, and uh, I am again reading from the English Standard Version. And it just starts right in the middle of verse 8. You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. Everybody say, fill the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out its branches to the sea and its shoots to the river. Why then have you broken down its walls so that all who pass along the way pluck its fruit? The boar from the forest ravages it and all that move in the field feed on it. Turn again, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and see and have regard for this vine. The stock that your right hand planted and for the son whom you made strong for yourself. They have burned it with fire. They have cut it down, but they perish at the rebuke of your face. But let your hand be on the man on your of, of your right hand, the son of man whom you have made strong for yourself. Then we shall not turn back from you. Give us life. And we will call upon your name. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. You can be seated. Pray that the Holy Spirit would add to the reading of the word. Israel is a vine. Well, the questions that we have to answer today, we're going to try to answer or at least cause more questions so we can get to the answers is, what is the church? Now, you know, I could spend a week on that, but I won't do it. What is the church? What is the, the, the church universal? And then what is the local church? We've had for a number of years, we've had on our bulletin a, a local congregation of the church of Middle Tennessee. So we are a local expression, a local congregation and a local expression of the church in Middle Tennessee. And I would pray that the church in Middle Tennessee is an expression of the church universal. We just read the Apostles' Creed earlier, and it said, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. And, of course, that was a little c, and that's really just a word that means universal. Uh, I believe in the universal church worldwide. What is the mission of the church? What is our mission? What... What is the purpose of having a church or having church? Um, and, you know, the two basic tenets that I always offer is, first of all, the church is to serve the kingdom of God on the earth. That's our job. Um, and secondly, to make disciples. We'll probably talk more about that in, in future uh, Sundays. But to make disciples uh, because that's the last command we received on earth from the Lord Jesus. And... How do we define success? 
how does a church define success? And too many times we have in the church, we have taken the shortcut. And the shortcut is that we define success by how many seats are filled. How many people we have. How many are you running? Well, I run a bunch of them off every month, so I don't know. Uh, and so, we, and, and I don't think that, well, anyway, we've done that. We've done that in years past. And, uh, and then, so if you define success, then you gotta ask the question, are we being successful? Are we, be, are we achieving success? Now, if filling every seat is the definition of success, then we obviously are a failure. Do you believe Abundant Life Church is a failure? Neither do I. As a matter of fact, it's possible. Listen, I'm not against big churches. I'm against me pastoring one, but I'm not against big churches. I hope you heard that, Lord. It is possible to succeed in growing numerically and fail in our mission to fill the earth with the knowledge of God's glory. It's possible. Again, I'm not against growing. Would I love to see no blue chairs in this room? Absolutely. So what's wrong with you? Well, if I, if, if every chair had a person in it, I wouldn't see the chair. You say, you're a weirdo. Well, just ask her. She knows that's true. <laughs> Would I love to see the room filled? Absolutely. Do I want to see it filled the right way? Emphatically. Saints, we could... We could, uh, we could engage in a slick Wall Street marketing campaign. We could, we could do all kinds of things to attract warm bodies to fill chairs if that's all we want to do. I can tell you, having uh, been a minister for 47 years, um, I can tell you that if you do that, all you're asking for is trouble because you have people sitting in chairs who belong somewhere else. And when they belong somewhere else, they're going to be dissatisfied here. Oh, do I want them filled? Absolutely. But I want them filled with God doing the filling. We could fill all the seats and still fail in our mission. Then the question we ask today is, are we a circle or are we a vine church? Adam, would you bump that temperature down one degree? Are we a circle or are we a vine church? The nation Israel is described throughout Scripture as a vine. We just read Psalm 80 where the nation Israel is described as the vine. Two more places I'm not going to turn, but Isaiah 5 and Jeremiah 2.21, and there are others where Israel is is uh, described as a vine. And Israel, we know, is a type of the church. Now, let me just hasten to add, I don't believe in replacement theology. I don't believe the church has replaced Israel. Israel is Israel. Israel always has been Israel. Israel always will be Israel. But the Israel gives us an analogy or a picture of what the church looks like. That's called being a type. It's a type of the church. 
And also, Jesus referred to his disciples and by proxy the church as a vine when he said, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. And Brother Charles read this verse last Sunday, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Back when my wife would let me mow the grass. Well, now she still lets me use the weed eater. I'll go out to certain ones of our trees in our yard, and they got these vines running up them. So I'll just take that weed eater and hit that thing at the bottom. And for a few days, it still looks the same. But it begins to wither and begins to die. Sadly, another one comes along and replaces it. But that one dies. A vine that is separated from the branch, the main branch, or the branch that's separated from the vine, will die. By the way, think about this. Before there, before Abraham came along, there was no Jewish nation, nation to be a vine. Before Abraham, God took Abraham out of a pagan culture and made him the first Jew, the first part of the Jewish nation, made him the father of, before that happened, there was no Jewish nation. But God took him and planted him and his seed as a vine. And we read that it filled the land. Are you still with me? Okay. Let's talk a minute about a circle. Go ahead and go to the next one, William. Just in case you didn't know what a circle looked like. That's a circle. A circle is an inanimate object. It's not living. There's no life in a circle. Theoretically, every part of the circle is equally distant or related to the center of the circle. It could be, by definition, an assembly around a person. A circle church or a church that we see as a circle church is is a church that we think more of institution than we do people. And we think of, you know, I hear people say, well, I hate organized religion. Well, what they're really talking about is is an institution. Uh, By the way, I've been around some disorganized churches before. Um, I don't want anything to do with that. Matter of fact, some, we laughed because years ago there was a prophecy of a church was having problems and somebody got up and said, yay, I see all the problems you're having. Yay, I see all the confusion going on in your midst. And yay, even I am confused. <laughs> got to wonder. You know, you don't have to wonder if that's a false prophet because God's never confused. But, uh, but we, when we talk about a circle... We're talking about something that's not living. We're talking about an organization or an institution or an entity. Uh, It could be an association of friends around a common interest. And the truth is, uh, it's easy for a church, if we're not careful, it's easy for a church to become nothing more than a club. Now, I'm part of a club. My wife's part of a club. It's the Andy Griffith Show rerun Watchers Club, but it's a club. I'm not opposed to clubs, but I am opposed to our allowing a local church to become a club 
and just to be a group of people having an association on a common interest. That's not church. And as I said, it's a, a circle church is more institutional than organic. It's just about, it's all about the organization itself. Here's a, here's a key. A circle includes everything in it and excludes everything outside of it. Now watch this graphic. Put up that. Now, one more time. Now look, see, I got a bunch of people in there. Notice that they're joined, they've joined hands and they're probably facing inward towards one another. That's a hard thing to crack right there. Uh, when I first became the pastor here 20 years ago, we had a real problem with that. Some of you were here and others I ran off. No, I didn't run anybody off because I would watch when we would dismiss our time together on Sunday morning. I would watch and as soon as we say amen, certain groups would form all over the place. And some of you will remember there was a gentleman who came in here one Sunday morning and uh, he emailed me that week and he said, I came to your church Sunday morning. I sat down. Not one person talked to me. Not one person spoke to me. I got up and walked out. Not one person said goodbye. Thank you for being here. Not one person said peep to me. And my wife and I, and our family, the first Sunday we walked in here, we had the same experience, exact same, except for Claire. And Claire knew, knew us. We knew when Claire was born. So anyway, Claire came over and talked to us. We were like that. Over the years, fortunately, that has improved. And the, the circle that's hard to penetrate is not there. Put up the, hit it again, Phil. Uh, what's your name? William. And, and too often, if you've got a circle church, this is what you got. You got people on the outside who would like to be on the inside but can't get there because you're just a club. I hope you're not mad at me. Just if you if you think you're gonna get mad at me, just say, "Well, I wasn't here then," but some of you were. Uh, a circle is a line that ends where it begins. That's all it is. Now. If we are a circle church, we understand the church to be a meeting or a building, not a vine. Ooh, we y'all are quiet. Debbie said y'all were tired. I don't know if that's what it is or not, but if we think of church as a circle church, all we think of is a meeting or a building. And we do have a meeting. Thank God we have a building, and it, when it's raining, we don't get wet. When it's cold, we can be warm. And when it's hot, we can still be cold. <laughs> but a church does not consist of a meeting or a building. Am I opposed to meetings? No. Am I po- Well, I'll get back to that. I don't know how to do this one. A circle church, we gather our friends around a primary person, and that person is not necessarily Jesus. Too often it's the pastor. Personality-driven churches. You're fortunate because I don't have a personality. 
But I have known of churches. Yeah, y'all agree and I get you. I have known of churches who were personality driven. And when the pastor, I know of one church, I'm not going to name where, when, how, or anything, but I know of a church where the pastor has, was a really strong personality. And one day he just, out of the blue, just dropped dead of a heart attack. That church doesn't exist today. Because personality driven. Let's move on. If we're a circle church, we see the church as something to go to, to not to not go out from. Think about it. We see the church as something to go to, not to go out from. Now we're getting into we're getting into the area that we want to be. A circle church is something we join. We don't join each other necessarily in a circle church. We go forward, we shake the pastor's hand, and we join the organization. We join the institution. (laughs) Y'all are funny to watch. The scripture says you are members one of another. We don't join an institution. We join people. People. Everybody say people. Sometimes a circle church is built around a particular doctrine or a method. I remember being in the, in the little Baptist church that we kind of grew up in, her all of her life and me from 12 years old on. And as a teenager talking about bringing somebody in to speak during youth revival week and this little old lady sitting out during the business meeting. Business meetings are fun. Y'all never been to a Southern Baptist business meeting. <laughs> you missed out. Yeah, buddy. We kids, we go, we go on Wednesday nights. We'd sleep through the prayer meeting, but boy, when business meeting started, woo. And the pastor was funny. I mean, I don't blame him, but he would say, now, now that the service is over, I'm going to come out from behind the sacred desk and start the business meeting. And he'd walk around in front of the pulpit like this. It's probably a good thing because what happened after that wasn't always holy, I can tell you. And this little old lady said, I want to know, is he going to preach Baptist doctrine? And I said, well, I forgot her name. I said, well, you know, you've known this guy. He was a member of this church. He preached here. He led our, our choir and you know he's going to preach the Bible. That ain't what I asked. I want to know, is he going to preach Baptist doctrine? That didn't go well. No. I don't remember what I said, Ricky. That was, that was in 1974. Sometimes a circle church is nothing but an orbit of activity. Let's keep people busy so they'll stay out of trouble. Well, mm. our time and our resources are consumed by the circle. Do y'all understand? Do y'all understand the oil well that is pumping enough oil to keep the oil well pumping? And, and too many times, if we're a circle church, that's the way we are. We just keep everybody busy. We, they can't do any evangelize. Shoot, I can't even get outside this building long because I'm going doing this and do it. We got, that's why we don't have a lot of programs. 
one of the reasons. Because we don't want to use up the oil that's being produced on ourselves. This is similar to what I said earlier, but our personal circle becomes a matter of including or excluding based on who is in or out of the church circle. Several years ago, some some guys asked me, one of the guys rep, uh, met me for breakfast, I think. And this, I'll tell you how long ago it was at Nashville, which doesn't even exist anymore. And they said, we're going to, we want to start meeting as a group of men and we'd like, we'd, we want to ask you if you'll sit with us because we don't know what we're doing. And I said, what makes you think I do? Maybe bump it up a little more, Adam. Well, some people are. I can see what they're doing. <laughs> and we do have blankets in the back. Bring me one. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, these guys said, hey, we'd like for you to meet with us, uh, if you would, just to, you know, just to help us. And, and we want to study the Bible together and we want to fellowship together. And, and uh, I, again, I don't know how many years it's been, but I'm still meeting with those folks. Not one of them goes to this church. Not one of them will ever go to this church. As a matter of fact, if they tried to, I'd tell them to go back where they came from. There are varying reasons for that. For one, I just don't want them here. No, I'm just kidding. They're good guys. But if I was a circle church mentality, I would say, well, what good is that doing my church to meet with these guys? And over the years, I've watched them grow in many, many ways. When I walked into that group of men, some of them had ideas like, if it's not red letters, I don't even want to hear about it. And so, you know, red letter Bible. If Jesus didn't say it, I don't want to hear about it. Uh, I, it was all kind of notions. And then we began to talk and pray and talk and pray. And over years, they have adjusted in the right direction their thinking. They're great people, but they're never coming here. And I like that because it, it allows me to minister, disciple, mentor, whatever terminology you want to use, people without any possibility of gaining from that. We, we, we were planning a, an event at Charlie Daniels Park probably 15 years ago. It was called Wordstock. Some of we, our band, Don might remember, our band took part in it. It was kind of a play on the term Woodstock, except it was a little cleaner. <laughs> but it was a day of, anyway. And we were getting pastors together, and a bunch of us pastors, there's probably a dozen of us that met together on a regular basis planning this. And, one, and we talked to another pastor, no names, no places, no times, but another pastor, and we said, hey, won't you come join us? We're, we're putting this thing together. And he said to me, How is that going to benefit my church? And I said, is that what you're after? He said, if you can't tell me how that is going to benefit my church, then I, I don't have anything to do with it. He's not pastoring today. Thank God. 
Yeah, really. (laughs) And then the center of the circle too often becomes a matter of entertainment instead instead of a matter of mission. See, I'm having to be careful here. I don't want you to think that what that I think what we're doing is wrong, because I don't. Now, if we were like some places I've seen, I would say, "Lord, help us all," and you know, we'd be buying a smoke machine or something like that, um, and we would major on. We would think that if we just amped up our entertainment level, we would get more people. In here. Well, you might. But would you have a vine or a circle? Vine church. Say, I thought he'd never get to it. Oh, Lord. A vine church or a vine is a living plant that has significant roots that draw life. It's, uh, we read in verse 8. That it was planted by God. Israel was planted by God. By the way, I've given you this principle before, but now I'm giving you the verse, uh, verse uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 46. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. And you, I think Brother Charles even alluded to this. You can learn a lot from God by watching what happens in the natural. So we're looking at a natural vine, but using that as an example of a spiritual church. A vine grows outward along the ground and opportunistically, that's easy for me to say, attaches itself to fixed objects in its path to grow upward. You've watched a vine grow, and Brother Charles used the greatest example of all, and that's kudzu. Grows a foot, what do you say, a foot a week or a foot a day? I forget. Yeah, a day. You know, you grow up with kudzu your whole life. You don't think anything of it. And you think about other parts of the country, never seen it. A vine grows, and, and it's whatever it touches, it attaches itself to it. And a vine will never grow around an object. Come on, church people. A vine will never come up against an object and say, that one doesn't smell right. And grow around the object. Can't do that. Whatever it touches, it attaches. A vine produces long stems which produce joints and more stems. The life, Ephesians tells us, is in the joints, is in the relationships, is in the covenant. A vine... Circle can't do this, but a vine bears fruit. A living vine bears fruit. A circle just sits there. Verse 9 says it filled the land. It filled the land. A vine has life and imports and exports life. It shares life. While the circle is a closed figure, the vine is an outward moving one. A vine is always moving. A vine is always growing. A vine is always uh, finding objects, people to attach itself to. By the way, Jesus himself is our root and our vine trunk. 
We're not, if we see ourselves as part of a local body and, and as we see ourselves as the vine of God, we're not growing out into the community, attaching ourselves to people on behalf of Abundant Life Church. The object is not to gain more church members. The object is to touch lives for the kingdom of God. Jesus said he'll build the church. We'll leave that to him. He said, you go grow the kingdom. A vine church is Jesus-dependent, it's life-producing, and it's outward-focused. The vine church is extended by branches that are truly joined, covenantal, joined to each other, and the root. Who's the root? The root of Jesse, the branch of Jesse, the Lord Jesus. And it tells us in in Psalm 80 that that vine goes out to the sea and to the river Euphrates. I said this earlier, a vine church is not personality or program driven. It relates to the world before it. We don't just relate on religious grounds. It relates to business, to labor, to professionals, to music, to science. Every facet of life, the vine relates to that. Not just in religious terms. I'll come back to that. I've said earlier, it's never confounded by obstacles that climbs them. It does not say, a vine church does not say, come to us. It says, we are coming to you. A vine church, or a circle church, we stand at the door and we yell out into the community through varying means, hey, we're in here, come see us. A vine church grows out of the church building into the community and touches lives. The New Testament calls for a vine that not only grows inside the circle but advances outside. There should be more life being produced by us out there than in here. That's where the fruit is. We need to be exporting the truth rather than warehousing the truth. Which brings us to a, and should have already brought us to a paradigm shift in our mindset concerning the church that it is personal rather than corporate. It's relational rather than mechanical. It's outward versus inward and it's Christ-centered versus a personality-driven. That's a vine church. That's got life. Jesus is that vine. He said, I am the vine. You are the branches. Jesus was relational and discipling in his church planting. Jesus was continually outward in his mission. Think about it. Jesus was interested in all of life and not just the synagogue. Now, we're going to come back to that, but just hang on. Jesus met people where they were doing what they did. Jesus built effective joints or relationships with those to whom he imparted life and truth. Jesus' intent was to disciple the nations through replicated leadership. That's you and that's me. And Jesus measured success personally, not corporately. 
and expected real disciples to produce fruit. By definition, you're not a real disciple until you are making disciples. We'll finish up just a few moments by talking about flower pots. You can, you can take, you can see that a flower pot and a circle have similarities. They have things that they share. Flower pots don't move. They just sit there looking good. And we'll, we'll see the church as a symbol of a flower pot or a flower pot, a symbol of the church. And so think of the church maybe as a flower pot just for a moment, but, but if you only uh, talk about flower pots, they don't move. They just sit there looking good. And to observe their beauty, people have to come visit them in their location. Back to standing at the door yelling, come look at our flower pot. Have you ever seen a flower pot like ours? Nobody has a flower pot like ours. You know, I've seen or heard about conversations taking book on, taking place on Facebook where they say, who's, who's the best church in Mount Juliet? Of course, here it goes, man. Of course. And the truth is, there is no such thing. There is no such thing as the best church anywhere. There's an expression that God has through a church. But but we we have to be careful that we don't just say, come look at our flower pot. Man, we got a great worship team. Man, we got a great children's program. Man, we got a great carpet, which we don't. But we you can say that. We, 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 we bought, we ordered this color carpet and it's been installed since I've been here because it's similar to the color of the grape juice. <laughs> Method to our madness. But we can say, come look at our flower pot. Many churches are like flower pots. Problem is many Christians are as well, which means sometimes we're just artificial. And a flower pot may look good, but a flower pot will, everybody say never, never fill the land. Can't fill the land with a flower pot. And you certainly can't fill the land with people telling people, come see our flower pot. We got the best one. Now, here's what I want to tell you. You can uh, fill the land with what grows out of that flower pot. You can, out of that, if it's organic, if that flower pot's organic and not just institutional, you can fill the land with what grows out of that flower pot into the community. Instead of saying, come see our flower pot, we say to the community, out of the flower pot, we're coming to you. And I'm saying that to say, I'll say it now, suggestions, don't kick the flower pot. Don't kick the fly. Because when you're hearing me talk today, you're thinking, well, he must be going, we're going to quit having church. No. Some of you already have. Some, you know, but some people have, but I haven't. We're not, no, don't kick the flower pot. See what God's doing in the organic church. See what God's doing in the community of God. Don't kick the flower pot. Because I, I know today I hear people all the time, well, we just need to quit having church. We just need to shut these doors and we need to go out there and do this. Well, there's a lot that we need to be doing out there, but we don't need to kick the flower pot in the midst. 
As a matter of fact, watch this verse. He, Jesus, entered the synagogue as was his custom on the Sabbath day. It was his custom to go gather with other saints that you could have described as a flower pot. So suggestions again, revisit your own conversion history. Who loved you enough to invest time in discipling you, mentoring you? Who loved you enough to spend time with you? Because after all, what is the point of being a vine that grows out into society if we can't let God work through us on their behalf? Focus on someone that God has put into your world and pray for them. Because you, the growth of the vine, everybody's growth is different because wherever your life takes you. As a matter of fact, we'll come back to it later on, not today. But Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, go and make disciples, can be translated as you are going. While you are on your way, make disciples. Wherever your life takes you, make disciples. Place of employment, place of recreation, the list goes on. Gather with other believers to strategize and pray. Let life flow naturally. Be who you are and don't try to, to imitate others. Don't try to be somebody else. Don't try to do what somebody else does or talk the way somebody else talks. Just be who you are, where you are. Be natural. And for God's sake, avoid cliches and religious speak. Religious ease. I don't even like it. And I can't imagine somebody out there that doesn't know Jesus. You walk up to them and say, I want to tell you about the gospel of propitiation and atonement for your life. And they're going, oh, what in the world? I mean, that doesn't work. The scripture says that you and I should always, everybody say always, always be ready to give an account for the hope that is in us. Why? Because you never know when you're the tent, the Tentacle of your vine touches somebody and you're attached to them. And you can share life. And they don't want to hear your religious church ease. I don't. And I said this earlier, but I'll say it again. Remember, you can plant a vine in a flower pot. And the vine will grow beyond its container. Soon, the container cannot be seen at all. It then becomes an agent of release. Would that, would that this organic flower pot, and all of those who can't be here today, those who are watching at home, those who, anyway, would that this organic flower pot would grow as a vine into the community, touching lives everywhere we go, touching lives to such a degree that Abundant Life Church can't even be seen. But the kingdom of God and the king 
can be seen. I hope we understand that if to the degree we do that, because that's called life. Life produces life. Church growth that is grown through slick, gimmicky marketing, all that does is cause problems. But church growth that occurs because of life begetting life, yeah, we have more people in the seats, but we have more life in the family. And when you have more life, this is important to me, you have less problems. And, and would that our organic flower pot would be that agent of release. I'll close with this. And somebody said, man, you've already run over. Nope, this, i got one more minute. That's assuming you give me to 11. Some of you give me more than that. Or some will give me less than that. I, this is where I want the Holy Spirit to help me. Those wording here may. Some of us, I referred to earlier, probably in my prayer, but some of us on Sunday mornings, we come crawling in here with bloody knees and bloody hands, and we we have just barely made it through the week. We climbed up those steps, and we come stumbling in here, and we're looking for somebody to pick pick us up, somebody, something, something to pick us up. And put us back together. Can I tell you that if you're in that shape, don't stop climbing the steps. Some of us come bouncing in here because we're riding a victory. And we've been engaging with people all week. We've been giving life. Can I tell you that when you... I heard Derek Prince say this one time. The dead sees dead because... Water flows out, but nothing flows in. And when you're engaging with people and imparting life to them, you're jacked up. I know that's not theological, but that's you're all jazzed because it's that's what produces life in you. When the life, when the, when you give out the supply, then you get more supply. Your sea is not dead. And so some of you come in here bouncing with victory. You've been engaging with people. You've been talking with somebody. You've been having a relationship with a coworker at work. And boy, you're just excited. And you come in here and you help pick somebody else up. Regardless, what, it, what we want is to come in here as the, as the slide says, we want to celebrate when we gather as this in this configuration, we want to celebrate all those victories and all of the life that we've received and imparted during the week. But when we go home and close our door, there's no life. And we come crawling in. Now, a lot of times, life happens. We, we did a message a few weeks ago, and that's the first thing I said was life happens. And sometimes life just happens. Most, a lot of the time, it's because of bad choices we've made, but ultimately, life happens. And we have to deal with it. But sometimes, we, we can come in here 
and celebrate what's happened the previous week, imagine how much better your experience would be and my experience would be if we come in this, this collective place here to worship God and we come in in that uh, season of victory, not just victory, but having, having engaged with people. And by the way, too many times when you hear a message like this, you think that I'm saying that we're all responsible to go out here and engage with myriads of people. I'm not. I'm talking about one person. Too many times when we talk about making disciples, we give the impression that you need to go out and make 15 disciples. No. Just engage with one person. Everybody say one. Just one. Just one. Not two. Just one. But be, but let it be the one that God brings you to through the natural flow of life. I, I'm not sure I made this last part clear. Maybe the Holy Spirit's done a better job of it than me. But this is who... We are. This is who we want to be. That you would be, you and I would be living branches with Jesus as our vine. Jesus where our roots are. And that we would engage out there every day, every week. And not just pat our foot six days till I can get back to the church building. I want you to get back to the church building. But between then, now and then, I'd love to see some activity. And I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad because a lot of you are doing exactly what I'm talking about. And a lot of us aren't doing nearly as much as we could. So, are we a circle church or a vine church? Hope to God. Think we are a vine church. Stand with me.